Amen. We're turning together in God's Word this morning to the book of Genesis and to the chapter 49. The chapter 49, the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, and this is the last chapter but one in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 49 is Jacob gathering his sons around him before he passes from this scene of time, and he's blessing each of his sons in turn. We're going to move down the chapter to the verse 22, Genesis chapter 49 and the verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful boy, even a fruitful boy by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren." Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their fathers spake unto them and blessed them. Every one according to his blessing he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife, and there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Amen. May the Lord add. Amen. Good to hear you singing the praises of the Lord. We're looking together in Genesis, the chapter 49. And as we have read together, uh, we commenced at verse 22. And I would use verse 22 as my text for this morning. 
And it concerns here Jacob's words about his son Joseph. And he said, Joseph is a fruitful boy, even a fruitful boy by a well whose branches run over the wall. And what we're looking at in this verse of Scripture is a fruitful life. And that's what I want us to consider together this morning, a fruitful life. Let's just unite together in prayer and let us seek God's face together. Our loving God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we're conscious of our great need of Thee. We pray that Thou wouldst draw near to our hearts as we look into Thy precious Word together. We do thank Thee, our Father, for the preaching of the Word. We thank Thee for those that have occupied this pulpit even in recent Lord's days. And we thank Thee, our Father, for the Word that has gone forth we would pray that even now we would know that fresh help from heaven, the anointing of thy spirit, and that the word of God would come with power to each and to every heart this day. Shut us in, O God, now to thee, and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Some people would say that when you come to approach death, that your whole life flashes in front of you. I don't believe that that's true. But whenever you come to Jacob here, and he is approaching his death, we find that it wasn't so much the past that flashed before him, but it was the future. And under the inspiration of the Lord, He's able to speak about each of his sons and that which would befall them in the future. If you look at the very first verse of this chapter, it says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And so Joseph here is coming to the time of his passing. And it's actually like a bedside scene where he gathers all of his sons around him and he's going to speak to each one of them in turn. And as he goes to each one of them, he has something to say to them about their lives and something to say to them about their future. They're really prophetic words. What shall befall them in the last days? Now out of his sons here, we find that he has most to say concerning Joseph. And we have read those verses. And the verses 22 down to 26 concern there what Jacob had to say concerning Joseph. And they give to us something of a thumbnail sketch of Joseph's life. And they give to us not only a portrait of his life that has passed, but also of the future. His life from beginning to end. And he says of his son Joseph, Joseph is a fruitful boy. And so Joseph was a man who knew what it was to have a fruitful life. 
And we know that if you look into the word of God and you study the life of Joseph, you would find that there were many twists and turns along the way. And at times it wasn't easy. It certainly wasn't straightforward. But he had a fruitful life. And that's what his father is referring to here. We know that as even a young man, he was a faithful man. Even in his younger days, he was found faithful unto the Lord. And that faithfulness to the Lord continued throughout the life of Joseph. And therefore, we're not surprised that the faithful life becomes a fruitful life. Those two things go together, faithfulness and fruitfulness. And the faithful life will prove to be that fruitful life. The Lord spoke in John chapter 15 about abiding in him. Abide in me and I in you. The same bringeth forth much fruit. As we seek to abide in the Lord, our lives will be fruitful. As I have already alluded to, Joseph's life was an eventful life. So many twists and turns at times the path was rough. And if you were wanting to outline the life of Joseph, you could look at his life in different houses. He started out in his father's house. And there he was beloved of the father. And there he became despised and rejected by his brethren. And of course they took him and they cast him into the pit. And then they sold him off to the Ishmaelites. He ended up in Potiphar's house. Again there he proved to be faithful. He was a faithful servant in the house of Potiphar. And his character there remained intact. Although his reputation was attacked. Then he went from Potiphar's house to the prison house. And if you were to look at Joseph in the prison. You'll find it tells us that the Lord was with him. And even there in the prison, the Lord was to sustain him and the Lord was to bless him. And eventually he then ends up in Pharaoh's house. And of course there he was put in charge of everything. The faithful man becomes the fruitful man and he knows the blessing of the Lord. And just for a little time this morning, I want us to consider these words that his father Jacob said about him. It's a picture of the Christian life. It's a picture of the fruitful Christian life. And firstly, he speaks about the boy of Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful boy. And there you have the picture of the bi. The bi really pictures a young tree. And in particularly, there's the reference here to the vine. And if you think of the vine, that's the picture that is being brought before us with the thought of the fruitful bi. And here is the vine. And many times in the Bible, you find that Israel were referred to as the vine. In that great psalm, the 80th psalm, and in the verses 8 and 9, it says, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. 
Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. And so Israel, being brought out of Egypt, are being pictured as a vine that the Lord is transplanting. And he transplants them into the land of Canaan. Verse 9 of that psalm says, Thou preparedest room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. And so you have the idea here of God's people Israel being pictured as the vine, and the vine that has been planted, and the vine that is to take that deep root. Over in Ezekiel, and the chapter 17, that picture is brought out uh, further again in verses 5 and 6. And Ezekiel writes, He took also of the seed of the land and planted it in a fruitful field. He placed it by great waters and set it as a willow tree. And it grew and became a spreading vine of low stature whose branches turned toward him and the roots thereof were under him. So it became a vine and brought forth branches and shot forth sprigs. There's this picture. It's the picture of God's people. And they're that vine that has been planted and that vine that begins to grow and it begins to spread. Ezekiel in chapter 19 will also go on to say uh, that it's planted by the waters. And the planting of the by, we can see that even with our text of Scripture. When Jacob spoke of Joseph, he said, Joseph is a fruitful by, even a fruitful by, by a whale. And there the roots are going down deep, and they have that strong grip, and they're there by the whale with that supply of water, and therefore it's going to grow, and it's going to become strong. That was Joseph. Joseph, who was pictured as the fruitful bough, the bough that had been planted, that vine that was going to take deep root, was going to become strong. The possession of that bough, it's by a well. And that's the key to Joseph's strength, that's the key to Joseph's survival. He was positioned by a whale, of course. It wasn't a literal whale. It's referring to a spiritual whale. The spiritual whale. Joseph's faith and trust that was in the Lord, and therefore he had that spiritual whale from which to draw from. We would say today, it's the whale of God's grace. And Joseph had a never-ending supply. And to survive all that was thrown at him, he had to continually draw from that well of God's grace. You could look into his life at that time whenever his brothers took him in Genesis 37 and his brothers conspired against him. He needed grace. He needed grace. You think of the time in his life whenever he was placed in a position of great temptation by Potiphar's wife. And he needed that grace. He needed to draw from the well. 
Those times whenever his faith was sorely tested and when he couldn't understand the Lord's dealings in his life and he still had to trust in the Lord. He had to draw from the well of God's grace. He had to draw from that well every day. Child of God throughout our earthly pilgrimage, we need to position ourselves by the well of God's grace. We need to be near to the Lord found faithful to the Lord and were able in every time of need to draw from the well of his grace, the well of his word. My, what a deep well that is. And we're able to come and open up the scriptures. We have the freedom to read God's word and how we should be seeking to draw fresh every day from the well of God's word. You think of the opening psalm, the very first psalm, and it speaks about the blessed man. And it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Then his law doth he meditate day and night. And the psalmist draws out the illustration there, He shall be like a tree. It's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You see what it is to be like that vine, like that tree that's planted by the well. And we're able to draw from the well of God's grace and the well of God's word. And we know that renewing of the inner man and that strengthening the well of Christ himself dwell upon the person of our Lord and Savior and think about all of his glorious attributes and think about the great work that he accomplished for us when he shed his precious blood upon the tree and draw from that well. There's a well from which we can draw that will strengthen us. It's the spiritual wells. You know, when Jeremiah, it speaks there about God's people going astray. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and the verse 13, he writes, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. There was the Lord and he's the fountain of living waters and we can come and we can take that draft of the living water. But the Lord says, my people have forsaken me and have made cisterns and they're broken cisterns. Some today, perhaps in the congregation and you've been out at a time in your life in the world. You know about the broken cisterns. You have drank from those broken cisterns. You have found by experience that they cannot satisfy. The hymn writer said, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord. But ah, the waters failed. Even when I stooped to drink, they mocked me as I wheeled. And we learn that there's none but Christ that can satisfy. None other name for me. 
We see that there's none but the Lord Jesus Christ that can satisfy the longing soul and fill the hungering soul with goodness. No, when you think about the fruitful life and you think about what is said of Joseph here, Joseph is a fruitful by the picture of the by and the planting of the by and the positioning of the by, but then the progress of the by. You see that verse 22, it says, whose branches run over the wall. And oh, it is there and its roots are going down deep and it's able to have that supply of water from the well. And therefore, it's going to make great progress and it's going to grow. And here we learn its branches run over the wall. And that's what was said of Joseph. He was so like that vine that his branches ran over the wall. That's the sort of life as Christians that we want to live. Live lives that are reaching out. Lives where the branches are running over the wall. We want to be running over the wall Christians Our testimony, our influence in this world ought to extend beyond the walls of this house. We ought to be strengthened in the things of God that we will then be fruitful and that our branches will run over the wall. It happened in the life of Joseph. How the Lord was to use him when he became the governor of Egypt. And he was there. The seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine, it was Joseph. He made all the plans and all the preparations and how many lives were saved because he was able to supply them with that necessary food. His branches were running over the wall, reaching out to others. We need to have that in our Christian lives if we're going to be fruitful. A love. A love that feels for all. A love that's reaching out to all. A constraining love. The apostle said the love of Christ constraineth us. Our labors that run over the wall have such a love in our hearts that we want to do that work for the Lord and we want to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labors are not in vain in the Lord. Running over the wall with our love and running over the wall with our labors and running over the wall with our liberality. And Paul could speak about those Macedonian churches and about those of God's people who faithfully supported the work of the Lord. Branches that run over the wall. And everywhere that Joseph went in every aspect of his life, his branches were running over the wall. The bye of Joseph but then look at our passage of Scripture again, and secondly, we see the battles of Joseph. There in verse 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. And so here's one who's faithful unto the Lord, the faithful Christian, but he certainly doesn't have it easy. There were attacks upon him. 
Joseph had those archers that were shooting at him. The archer, they were the masters of the bow. And they could fire the arrow with great precision. Oh, they could hit the target. And here, as Jacob speaks about his son Joseph, and he's using the illustration of the archer and how the archer would fire at times against Joseph. You see how it's described? Verse 23, they've sorely grieved him. They've shot at him and they've hated him. You see, the life that Joseph lived was not an easy life. And we have to realize that the devil will always have his arrows. And in the life of Joseph, there was his brothers. And they shot at him. And they hated him. Here's this dreamer. Potiphar's wife. She shot at him. The arrows that came from her, the false accusations... Oh, she fired them with great accuracy. She fired them with great precision. The battles that Joseph would face. Psalm 64, the verse 3, it speaks of those who wet their tongue like a sword, who bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? And they're firing the arrows. And the psalmist says, they're arrows of bitter words. The fiery darts that can come. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, put on the whole armor of God and you'll have to take the shield of faith wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts. And yet when you look at verse 24 of our Bible reading, it says of Joseph, but his bow abode in strength. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. He might have had many a battle to face, but he was able to remain strong. His bow abode in strength. It wasn't the military bow, it was the bow of his faith. Joseph had that faith and that trust in the Lord. Joseph had, as it were, that spiritual armor upon him. He's able to prepare for the battles that he would face. He was ready with the shield of faith. He was one who trusted in the Lord. And so we thought about the bow of Joseph. And we've thought about the battles of Joseph. But just as we come to a close, the blessings of Joseph... And you look there at verse 25. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him 
that was separate from his brethren. You could read those two verses and you would have to say there are blessings abundant here. Blessings that are going to come upon the head of Joseph. Blessings of the greatest dimension. Blessings above. Blessings that lieth under. The blessings of thy father. In the end of verse 26 it speaks of Joseph as the separated man. Man who was separate from his brethren. Man who was faithful to the Lord. No wonder he's a man who lived that fruitful life for the Lord. And the blessings of the Lord were going to be bestowed upon him. And you can notice the blessings as they're listed in those verses. But there are actually five titles of the Lord that are given there in verses 24 and 25. And it's interesting that Jacob would use these titles when he's referring here to the blessings that would come upon his son Joseph. Notice there towards the end of verse 24, it says that his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. And so the mighty God of Jacob And then at the end of verse 24, it speaks about the shepherd. And then it speaks about the stone of Israel. And verse 25, he's referred to as the God of thy father. And also in verse 25, referred to as the Almighty. And Jacob uses here these five different titles of the Lord to show that powerful description of who the Lord is. He's the mighty God of Jacob. He's the shepherd. He's the stone of Israel. He's the God of thy father. He's the almighty. That's the one who's going to bless you, Joseph. It's the Lord. That's what the Lord will be to Joseph. He would be the mighty God to him. He would be the shepherd to him. He would be the stone, that rock. He would be the God of his father. He would be the almighty. And that's why Joseph could abide in strength. That's why his hands were strengthened. It was by the almighty himself. It's what the Lord would be to Joseph. These wonderful, wonderful blessings that would come upon Joseph. Do you know you couldn't look to the life of Joseph without seeing a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He foreshadows the Lord Jesus. He prefigures the Lord Jesus in so many different ways. If you were to look at a study in the life of Joseph, you would see a rich revelation of the Savior. A.W. Pink, Bible commentator in his gleanings in Genesis, he draws 100 points. 100 points of analysis of how Joseph typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ being glorified through the life of Joseph. You think of Joseph's humiliation, 
despised and rejected by his brethren, sold off. And you can see something of the humiliation of the Savior. And you think of the exaltation of Joseph and you see the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see Joseph who brought life to many and you see the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Savior, the life-giving Savior. Oh, it's such a worthy study. But the life that is faithful and the life that is fruitful is the life that will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we seek to be faithful to the Lord in our Christian lives, oh, that our lives would be conformed more and more to the image of God's dear Son, and that through us many would see the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's bow together in a closing word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, We do thank thee today for thy presence with us around the word of God. We thank thee, our Father, for the teaching and for the instruction of thy precious word. We thank thee for these great characters that we can look to in Scripture. And they can speak to us so much even concerning our own Christian lives. And therefore, O God, today challenge our hearts And give to us that burning desire that we would go on with the Lord our God and that our lives might be fruitful for our Lord and Savior. Father, hear us this day and separate us now, each one, in thy fear and with thy blessing and spread thy covering wings around till all our wanderings cease and at our Father's loved abode, we who are saved, shall all arrive in peace. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.